PGA Tour golf in person is quite boring, and I mean that in the highest regard, the highest compliment. And welcome back to another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I've got my partner in crime, our other co-host, Matt Cermak here. Welcome aboard another train. Uh, how are we doing, Ev? This was kind of an all-in-the-family episode we just did, so... We had another Cermak on the pod who just qualified for U.S. Mid-Am. A lot of amazing lessons. It's fun to have two Cermaks on the show. But before we get to that, guys, in case you're new, thank you for hopping aboard a par train. Our mission on the par train is to help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course. And we believe if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through essentially anything. We mm-hmm. interview PJ Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, mental coaches, everyday golfers like you and me, and top amateurs like Joe Cermak today to make the hardest game in the world feel easier, help you get out of your own way, shoot lower scores, and finally enjoy the ride. Before we get to our interview with Joe, quick word from our friends at Roback Performance Apparel. Wow. We talk about them a lot, Cerm, but instead of us talking about it, let me read a couple of reviews um, from some some buyers here. this person said, I bought this shirt for my husband. I absolutely love everything about it. It not only arrived sooner than I expected, but it's the perfect fit and definitely brings out his baby blue eyes. Wow. Oh. The quality is wonderful. Um, it fits amazing. And that's actually something we don't talk a lot about, Serm. Mm. Roback does an amazing job to get you the shirt sooner than you expect. They're almost like a mini Amazon. You get They're your really stuff, quick. And you get it in like usually three... Three to four yeah. days, same week. It processes. They give you process emails very quick, and yeah, that's actually a huge play. Yeah, I mean, guys, I'm gonna be sporting my Robacks for my member guest this week. Wow. Uh, we got some fun patterns. So whether you like fun pattern polos, or you know, more of a traditional stripe or solid uh, design, they've really got it all, and. Nothing fits as good as them. Nothing feels as good and nothing stays as good in terms of their collar. Their collars are structured. It stays high quality. It doesn't, a lot of my golf shirts I had to give away because they just kind of wasted away over the years. Had to give them away. Um, And all I wear is Roback now. So it's also almost the fall is coming up. Well, unless you live in LA or Miami or Austin, but guys, be on the lookout for some vests. And some pullovers, because uh, it's the best fall look. A few more weeks left, and we'll be uh, getting that little chill in the air. So you know me, Ev. I love the vest. I got one on right now. Guys, I'm telling you, every person that gets a rowback piece of apparel, whether it's a polo, pullover, vest, t-shirt, hoodie, they just I got, can't I got ten hats. I got ten hats. And hats. They can't believe how soft it is, how comfortable it is, and how great it looks on your on your frame. So here's what you got to do. Tap the show notes for this episode. There will be a link in those show notes. You tap that link, no need to enter a promo code, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Or if you're scrolling through Instagram or Twitter and you want to give us a follow at the par train, you can always access that link in our bio. You tap that link. There will be a little uh, box there on our link in bio landing page that says get 15% off your first rowback shirt. Just tap that, start shopping. Trust us, you won't regret it. Guaranteed. Wow. All right, this episode with Joe. Um, Sir, do you want to give some context on, on your older brother? 
And I've got three brothers. He's the oldest. Joe, um, Joe's a good one. This was a special episode. Pretty cool to have a family member on. Joe, uh, we all grew up playing golf together. Joe played at Iowa State. I was at Missouri State, and Pat and Mike played at Toledo. Joe went on to play on the Canadian Tour, the Latin American Tour, and played golf professionally for a few years, got his amateur status back, and um, has been competing at a very high level, at the amateur level. But I thought this was really fun, Ev. I mean, I know a lot about him. I saw, <laughs> I saw that 63 he shot a couple weeks ago. I was in his group, but to dive into his journey, what kind of the ups and the downs, which was kind of a theme of his a little bit, how to accept the ups and the downs has really led him to play some great golf. And most notably, he just qualified for the U.S. Mid-Amateur for the second time. He'll be there in a few weeks. So I'm very proud of him, to be totally honest with you. Brothers don't usually say that to each other, but I am. I'm proud of Joe. Yeah. And what do you think? You know, that was your first time meeting him, talking to him, you know? To me, the theme of this episode is making golf easier. Um, And even though you guys might not be able to relate to a plus five handicap and someone that's played pro and and shot a 63 in the last couple of weeks, uh, I think he gave a lot of insights that can be used by the 15 or, you know, 10 handicap, whatever you are. And so um, I think it reiterated a lot of the themes that we've been hearing over this past year. Um, Sermon, we haven't even talked about it, but we just hit 150 episodes wow. uh, this past Sunday. So uh, the train is rolling. A lot of people are getting better. And I think this episode is no, uh, no different. I think. Well, yeah, I think a great takeaway, and guys, you got to listen to the end, is, is how, to be, how to prepare, how to practice with limited resources. We all have lives. We yeah. all have kids. We have families. We have jobs. He's the same way. And yeah. some really good, interesting tidbits and tips, I think that everybody can take away from this episode. For sure. Yeah, you guys will love it. I'm positive it's going to help your game. Um, yep. So thank you, as always, for hopping aboard, guys. Um, if we've added any value to your game, do us a solid. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out. And more importantly, I want your guys' success stories to inspire other people. Follow us at The Partrand on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, all of them. We are um, constantly engaging. Uh, yep. With you guys, we love hearing your stories, and so give us a follow. And no matter where the ball goes, no matter how you're hitting it, no matter what you're scoring, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Take care, guys. I never thought I would say this, but we've got two Surmacs on the train. Joe Surmac, welcome aboard. <laughs> it's, good to be on the, it's good to be on the ride. This, this is a special day on the train. Joe. A sp- special we- day. We've got, I, I almost feel outnumbered here, but I'm going to see how I fare. Uh, we've got so much that we want to dig into today, Joe. Um, but first, I got to start out by asking you, you know, for people that don't know, we've said it before on the show, but we've got a lot of new listeners coming in. So let me give them, them some context. Matt, our co-host here, one of four brothers that all played D1 college golf, Iowa State, two at Toledo, and Matt at Missouri State. You were at Iowa State, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, four brothers. Who's the worst player of the four right now? Oh, who, who, who's the, the least? Worst of the four. The one guy you don't want on your team right now. You know, it's funny. It's funny. Say it. that's funny because <laughs> everyone always says, "Well, who's the best of you?" And I always say, "Well, if, if you know, if they don't say that they're the best. Something's wrong with them." But the worst. Huh. No, I just say I who's who, who's not cutting it right well, this I, moment. I, but it might I, change. You know. I, I, 
I would say obviously right now you because oh. you don't play you you play <laughs> you you've been playing the least, but you got your big invitation coming up here in a, in a month, so your game will be sharp by that. Oh, the Carl Young Classic, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that's, that's for what, I, I would want you on my team for that. <laughs> what is this classic? So people oh. know. This is for our grade school gym teacher, Carl, and uh, we do it every year. And it's a four-man scramble. We have to use everybody's drive four times. Lots of different handicaps. A lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. So Matt's Matt's strong for that. All right. So Matt's only got room to grow is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, Joe, we've got so much to dig into. Um, You just qualified for the U.S. Mid-Am. We're going to talk all about it. You shot a 63 I think two days before that qualifier. Um, but first, I want to give people context because I didn't even actually know. Um, help people understand the significance of what the, the U.S. Mid-Am is and like how it compares to the U.S. Amateur and all the other amateur tournaments. What, just give people context on the significance of the tournament. So the U.S. Mid-Am is for golfers between the age of 25 and typically 55. There are a few guys older than 55, but it's basically a, a 30-year gap for people who are, you know, not in, obviously not in college. Um, in a way, it's become the working man's championship because since the public has been, you know, has been gone, it's kind of become, you know, the con- and I don't want to call it the common man because there's a lot of, you know, great, great players, but it's just, it's a championship for the middle-aged man and women there's you know julia potter you know you guys had on before the women's mid-am champion multiple times so it's for uh, us um old timers you know still thinking we can get it around a little bit for sure and joe now that this is the second time you've qualified for it back to back actually talk about the format of the tournament where the tournament is this year so everybody can follow you but the format of the tournament and if you do really well what happens what comes back so the the format is actually um, is very similar to the U.S. the USAM. Uh, two rounds of stroke play, uh, two different golf courses. I'm going to Sankety Head and, and Nantucket, and Maya Comet is the other course. And uh, so we play two rounds of stroke play there. There's 260, 264 guys in the field, and then from there they break it down to 64, and then it goes bracket style match play, similar to all the other US, USGA amateur events with with match play. And, you know, if there's a, you know, whoever is lucky enough to win, they are guaranteed a spot in the 20, uh, 2022 U.S. Open. And the winner also typically receives an invitation to the Masters the following year. Wow. And how wow. does that compare between, remind me, someone that wins the U.S. Am, what do they get invitations to? What do they play in? They get the Masters or typically get the Masters because there's no, you know, no guarantees, Vesta, but they typically invite. USAM champ and then the US Open invites the USAM champ and then the British Open will invite the USAM champ and uh but yeah I mean it's I would say it's a little obviously it's a little more for USAM but um they give all considering it's masters and US Open for mid-am that's it's quite a lot for us uh old-timers so it's pretty sweet Joe I mean Evan's gonna jump in here as well but you know talk about this lead up to the mid-am right so you, you, you shot a, you set a course record two days prior. Um, you've played some tournaments this year. You've played pretty well, but talk about the state of your game, that course record day. And then that two days later, you had to go <laughs> try to qualify for the mid-am. Um, we we want to dive into all this. 
So where do you want me to start? We want to start with uh, the, the 63 or do you want to start with just the season in general? Because there's, I think there's, there's a story with it. Start with the season. Yeah. Okay. So, um, tip, you know, uh, I typically start in late April at my, I will tell everyone, this is my favorite golf tournament in the whole world. The Illinois state scramble. It's a two man event that I play with my best friend, Steve Klopak. Hey Steve. <laughs> and we go to, um, we go to this golf course called the village greens of Woodridge and I wouldn't call it a fine golf course, but it's a lot of fun and it, it actually brings in an awesome field. So we start out there, work the rust off. I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to qualify for our CDGA Mid-Am, Chicago District Golf Association Mid-Am. Um, and um, I played very well in our stroke play. I shot uh, 69. It was uh, tied for second in that. So I was pleased with that. And I made it to our match play. We, we rank it down to 16. And then I got in the first round against a absolute legend and great player in Charlie Waddell, who will also be at the U S Madame and Charlie and I had a, I wouldn't say it was our best golf, but we had a great match. And unfortunately for me, unfortunately for him, he made a birdie on the 22nd hole to flip me, but you know, I didn't take that as a negative. I took that as a, as a positive, like, Hey, you know, I gave myself a chance to win. You know, you just happened to make one more putt. And typically I'll schedule a few tournaments in June but this year I uh, couldn't schedule anything because uh, baby number two was on the way. Baby Nathaniel, who's now three months old, was he was born in early June. So I took Nate all of Nate dog, na- you know, nasty Nate. <laughs> I took uh, I had to take the whole month of June off because I didn't, you know, he he came early. But he, you know, with actually, I don't know because I know you don't know math. I'm not sure about you having, but know. but I yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. Like they say due date, but due dates are guesses. So. Just to be safe, I took the whole month off and um, and just um, got, you know, adjusted to uh, baby number two. We got, I got a three and a half year old named Charlie who, you know, who's, as Matthew can attest, is full of life, <laughs> full yeah, of energy. He's, he's all a tornado. <laughs> we, we, call him, we call him Hurricane Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, we just getting adjusted to that. So I got going in July with the USAM qualifier. Didn't play well. I, I didn't have a good first round, but you know, that's just golf. You just, as you guys know, some days it just doesn't, you don't get a bounce or you don't you just don't make a few putts, but it's fine. And I played in the Butterfield Invitational, one of the most pres- prestigious amateur invitationals in America. Played my brother Michael. And while we didn't, we went one and two in, a, in our matches, we didn't play bad. So I took a lot of confidence from that. And so, like you guys are saying, I said a I tied the course record at one of my, uh, McHenry country club, a club I pl- uh, play at and Matt and Matt was there for it. Uh, Patrick was there for it. And our yeah. dear friend and our former president of our high school, uh, Dr. Joe Schmidt was there. So it was really special to, uh, to do that with, with those, with, you know, those three, it was one of those days that, you know, you, you don't think it's going to happen and you just, it was just so special and it was so much fun. And, um, yeah, and I just carried on that good two days later. I carried on uh, 63 into a 68 to qualify a medal and qualify for the U.S. Man. So uh, it's, been, it's been an overall pretty good year, uh, life on and off the golf course. So sure. hopefully, I can, hopefully I can continue it for another month. So to be clear, you tied the course record with the 63. Tied, I tied the course record with the 63, yes. Do you eight, consider that, Matt, birdies. him no bogeys. setting 
the course record? Having the course record? He has the course record. He has the course record. So he's got it, right? Got so it. okay, I just want to be. Clear. And he, he had to make a twelve a twelve footer slide, you know, slider on the last hole. Did you know to get it? You had to make it. All, all I knew. All I knew. Believe me. Okay. When people say, oh, you know, whenever whenever you hear guys say, oh, I don't know, I was just. <laughs> Just doing my thing. We all know where we are at all times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's just the way and it is. Joe, I want to dig into that round first, but before yes. I do, um, give people context on your, your index right now, just so people understand. Oh, I am at a plus 5.0 right now. Wow. Okay. Plus five. It's pretty yes. good. So um, I would love... What I'm really interested in as well, I don't know if you listened to our, the episode from last week with Jared Hack, but you guys, this is kind of a similar um, story where Jared, you know, won the Western Am, beat Dustin mm -hmm. Johnson, Ricky Fowler, um, and then he left college early, turned pro, was on the Corn Ferry, missed 18 straight cuts, was shooting in the high 80s, thinking about quitting, and in the last month shot a 57, a 60, and won the Arizona Open. Yep, right? I saw that. The, different, the difference between him and you, though, is he is kind of making his comeback, going to Q school, mm -hmm. going for um, pro golf still, where you were pro and you went yep. to get your amateur status back. And I'm really fascinated. We can talk about the process of that because I think that's interesting. Not a lot of people understand how that works. But at first, I'm interested in Joe the the mindset switch um and maybe something that you've found regaining your amateur status and competing in you know the top amateur tournaments that maybe you lost when you were trying to make it on you know the Canada and Latin America tour um do you see any differences there since you've been playing great golf as an amateur again uh y y yes and now it was also completely different i'm completely different physically because right right when i right after i qualified for the canadian tour in 2008 right after i left uh finished up at iowa state i qualified that september 2008 and that christmas i couldn't walk and i had to have i had to have a pretty hefty surgery it was a micro disectomy but it required them to actually cut me open and so I'm a completely different physical, you know, physically different than I was, you know, obviously then, I've, you know, then in 2008 after college, now we all go grow or we all have different ailments, but, mm -hmm. um, I so I, right when I qualified, you know, things, I was playing pretty good and, you know, I was down in Florida playing some mini, you know, playing the mini tours down there, just trying to stay relatively sharp. Wasn't playing good, but golf is ups and downs as we all know. But, um, like I said, I woke up one morning, it was a couple, like, I'd say about 10 days before Christmas. And I was like, gonna be coming home anyways. And I could not walk. And so, like I said, the surgery happened. I missed all of basically all of 2009. I tried playing, um, a few events early in the year, like right after my surgery window, like, like the 12 weeks I was like told to not play. I was not in any shape. So I took the whole year off essentially. Got out in 2010 at the Canadian tour as a full member. So I got a, like a medical red shirt, if we want to call it, if you want to you know, phrase it as. And I knew real quick that I did not physically have it <laughs> at all. And 
And I, you know, with, with that, you know, mentally is like, well, I can't just, you know, outsmart any, you know, I can't outsmart these guys. Mm-hmm. I can't out grit, you know, everyone's now, now really, you got to go shoot 20 under, you know, yeah, you're not, it's not going to happen. I mean, and, and so I, like physically, I said, you didn't have it because of the injury. Like, yeah, you yes. like help people understand what that means. Like you felt like you couldn't go after it. Like you were constantly like, ginger, I could, you were very ginger with it. Couldn't I'm, commit. I'm, sh- I'm sure I was pretty ginger subconsciously, but I didn't have my flexibility. My swing at the time was probably pretty hard on my body. Mm-hmm. Overall, I had, I had to completely re- reconstruct my swing over the years. So at the time, my you know my swing was probably not good in my body, and with that, I couldn't practice for very long, and I couldn't. A lot of times, you know, working out slash training was more for just re like a rehab session instead mm-hmm. of like, hey, we're trying to you know develop some explosion here or trying you to develop like tiger. A- like <laughs> <Tiger> a junior <laughs> yeah i yeah <laughs> but um yeah um so it was just a combination of everything and like i said i knew real quick i remember going down to mexico and not playing i didn't play i remember like not playing terrible considering my you know where i was but i was like okay this isn't good but whatever and then like right away in Canada, like we took, went to Mexico for a few weeks, then took like a month off. And then I remember going up to Canada in late May. I remember being up there when the, when the Hawks were going for their first cup. So it was a fun summer with that being up in Canada as a Stanley cup champion. But, um, I remember real quick, like I have no chance. So, and it, it really hit me in Saskatoon. I, I give, I always tell people Saskatoon is not a great town, but that's kind of where I really like, it is it is a great town, but I realized my professional dreams were over there. I remember playing very poorly on a pretty easy golf course, just playing terribly. And I remember going to my hotel room after missing the cut, and I was like, "That's like four or five cuts in a row I missed." And I, I wasn't crying, but I remember taking. I just remember being in the shower, very dejected, very hurt, just because that was my dream to play professionally. And I felt like I got off to a good start at the time, the Canadian tour, which probably still is, was like the, like double a baseball. Yeah. And I knew it was over. So after that, I, after that shower and after that sleep, I was like, you know what? You're in a pretty sweet place here in Canada. Let's enjoy every city. Cause you know, you never know when you're going to go back if ever. And uh, I had a great summer, even though I, I was still trying to, make a cut trying to make a few bucks <laughs> you know i knew i wasn't gonna you know be player of the year or get onto the corn Ferry tour or anything but i was like hey let's try to make a cut or two it didn't happen unfortunately because i just could not practice the way i wanted to just couldn't perform the way i wanted to but i got to enjoy uh some some time with stanley cup with jonathan taves in winnipeg i got to have a good time with uh some friends in co- you know, from college in toronto um oh. Well, Joe, I mean, I think that that's an interesting part too, right? It's hard to, uh, you know, I caddied for you down in Kentucky with that Hooters that's tour. Right. That's right. You would say this. I've heard, well, we've heard other mini tour players say it. It's oftentimes it's just hard to enjoy the ride, so to speak, like we say here, right? Yeah. When you're playing for all this, for it costs so much to be out there, travels long, uh, it's supposed to be your livelihood, it's your dream. And oftentimes you just lose all, it's, it's really easy to lose perspective on, enjoying yourself because of 
the grind, right? And, that, and then you kind of had to go find that, that joy. And I think you talked about it as it was like winding down and that joy into your amateur golf again. Yeah. And I, I will, you know, I, I do not regret for one second going after professional golf. But if someone came up to me and said, I'm interested in going pro, I'd be like, are you ready to do this for life? Because I remember Pat Goss, the head, the director of golf at Northwest University, Northwestern University, obviously a legend and legend and well-known uh, voice in the game of golf. I remember him telling me really early on, he said, are you prepared to do this to the day you die? And it was a rhetorical question. And I thought, I'm like, you know, at the time before I got hurt, I was like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to be 100% committed and you got to assume that you probably never make it. And that's hard. It's very hard. But I always tell everyone, you see these guys in the minor league golf tour that shoot zero. They're just as good as the guys in the PGA tour. They just haven't put it, you know, they haven't either had their correct opportunity or they just have, didn't get to play their best at the right time. So there's just, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, as much as you, you, you know, those guys on tour are super skilled. They're amazing. They're unbelievable. You do need a little luck and a little timing to get to that level. So, but I knew I had no chance, at, you know, with that. And, and um, like, you know, you were saying, I turned, I got my amateur status back in early 2012. I didn't, I didn't even play golf for another, another year after that either. So we can get in that in a bit, but like I said, it, it, you know, it was, it was a very hard, but I really learned a lot about myself and those long, long rides through Canada and through, through nothing in Canada. I learned a lot about myself. I learned to like myself being by myself. So that was, I learned, I, I take, a, I t take a lot of value. I have learned a lot of value. I take a lot of, um, a lot out of what I learned in those 15 minutes of professional golf I played. <laughs> so many players, like it's just wild to think that as a plus five, you felt like you had no shot, right? Like that's yeah. like to the average player to hear that, that's like hard for people to believe, right? Like that's how good so many players are. Um, let's dig into the 63 for a second because All right. um, I always love, it's one of my favorite things to talk about is digging into a very special round and picking out uh, little tidbits that people could, you know, take. Absolutely. Um, maybe their game. So walk me through the day. What was it? Did it feel different starting the day? Were you uh, a different level of calm? Were you there just enjoying your time? Talk us through how the day started and how you're feeling throughout the day. So, yeah, um, like I said, we were playing with our, our high school prize, our former high school president and our dear family friend, Dr. Joe Schmidt. He wanted to play with um, my brothers and I. And Matthew and Patrick were able to make it out. And we were going there to play in the morning because our high school team was in an invitational at McHenry Country Club that afternoon. We were going to go play, say hi to the boys, you know, just give, you know, show our faces, say, you know, cheer them on. And that was it. And we teed off pretty early. What would we tee off at like eight o'clock, Matt, right around there? Yep. yep. And um, I just remember getting there about, I don't know, seven, ten ish. I mean, wasn't, I wasn't thinking anything of it other than like, you know, I go to the range, I, I go to the range. I'm like, just hopefully I have decent rhythm <laughs> and I'm just going out and 
playing with, you know, three, three people that are very close and mean just about everything. I mean, everything to me. So it wasn't even like anything like there's no pressure. Obviously it's just a well, round of golf. With yeah. Friends, a family fun, friends. A, a fun day. And we hadn't played in a while, especially you, me and Pat. So it was just like, yeah, yeah, great, yeah. great vibes, like on the range, like it was just yeah. going to be a great day regardless. You know? Yeah. It was. And I remember it wasn't even too hot. It was just like, it was yeah. a nice summer day. And yeah. And our, our friend, you know, our friend, our good friend, doctor says, all right, boys, me and Joe versus you know, Matt and Pat and doctor and I have, we played so many times together, so we're having a little best ball match on top of it. Like nothing, like, you know, just for, just for, you know, for laughs. Yeah. And <laughs> so I remember like, just like I said, I warmed up decent. My rhythm felt good. And I felt like I was, my body was moving pretty good. So I'm like, okay, let's see, you know, hopefully I can hit it decent and just whatever happens, happens. And I remember, I just remember off like the first few holes. I didn't even, like first two holes. I didn't even hit in the fairway, but I'm like, okay, that drive, that ball's moving off the team. Like it's moving. And I even think Matt could like Matt probably even said like on our second holes or par five, I hit a five wood over the water from two sixty to like, what was it? Eight feet, Matt. Yeah. That was yeah. Aggressive. Our, it was a very <laughs> aggressive. Yeah. It's a very aggressive shot that I probably wouldn't have done if it was a tournament. Well, it's, er, let me, let me say early in the round, elevated green, um, over the water, par five, like it was this shot. <laughs> and I, 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 I remember like on that swing, I'm like, Oh, you, I, I just, I didn't even feel the ball. I just flushed it. I'm like, okay, yeah. this is, I'm, my swing is all right. I didn't even make the Eagle, which was disappointing because it wasn't a hard pop. I was like, whatever, you know, it's a, who, who doesn't like two foot birdies? We all love right. two foot birdies. And you know, this, this will sound crazy and borderline ar- arrogant, but it was not a hard day for me. And I don't, I didn't make more than two birdies in a row at any point. And I just, you know, I, I mean, I hit one on one part three, I hit it like a six iron from 190 to a foot that, that helps. But I, you know, I, Matt can attest to this. Um, I was just very boring. It was, it was the least flashy. 63 i think you could probably draw up right eight birdies no bogeys um you know, didn't, have, didn't have an yeah. eagle obviously and i mean you hit it so solid all day didn't like make any crazy long putts i made one and, decent pot yeah, well, yeah and you didn't you probably how many fairways did you hit eight maybe but you I would never even, but we'll get I was never in, in trouble minute. yeah well exactly yeah. there was never a big mess and you were i had one so I, far. I had i was just you know we were going back to how you were talking about how, oh, you know, you, you know, do you know where you're at? On the 17th hole, a hole that in tournament or and like or for money, I would never hit driver. Patrick says to me on the tee, he's like, "Do you know where you're at?" I go, "Oh yeah." I go, but I said, I said, I'm going, "This is probably the wrong club too." But if I if you pull off this like if I if I pull off this drive, I have a hit shot into the green. I didn't pull it off. I hit it under a tree. But I, I didn't even like panic, pitched out. Then I pitched onto a two feet, made the par. Like it was like, that was like the only relative stress. And like I said, I don't hit driver if I'm playing in a tournament, but I'm like, let's just go for another birdie. But yeah, yeah no, it was just, like I said, it was in my practice and, you know, what I, tr- what I try to achieve in my practice is to play rounds easy, to play golf as low stress as possible. Mm. And it felt wonderful to shoot a really good score 
I mean, a phenomenal score and not have to be, not like I can go, I was able to go to bed that night going, you didn't pull it out of your ass. <laughs> you just yeah. played very solid golf and the, and the putter was working. It was, it was yeah. like, it was, it was, it was very satisfying. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to pay the bills. We'll get you right back to the show. Guys, are you looking for golf gear that offers premium performance? Do you guys like premium performance stuff that performs no matter what, but at a fair price instead of breaking the bank? Well, sticks golf clubs are on par with all the big brands. Trust me, I've worked for one of them um, and I've hit the Sticks golf clubs, and it's not just an ad read. This is legit, okay? I was actually shocked by how good the clubs were um, without the massive markup. And guess what? During September, Sticks is celebrating their first year in business. They've only been around for one year, and they're selling out like crazy. They're really giving the big club manufacturers a run for their money. Um, they're celebrating their first year in business with daily giveaways. So visit Sticks Golf Gear on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for amazing prizes and surprises throughout the month. And check out their minimalist all-black clubs with high-quality finishes and the latest tech at Sticks.Golf. That's Sticks.Golf. And use the code Me for 10% off. So not only are you going to get a full set of awesome performing clubs for like 800 bucks instead of like two to three grand, you also can get another 10% off using the code Par train sent me. So make sure you go to sticks.golf, enter the code par train sent me, and follow them on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Sticks Golf Gear, and access all of these great giveaways. We're going to be doing some at the par train. And uh, I'm really excited and so happy for them to see the amazing success they're having. And, you know, they're more than just a golf club company, they're making golf more accessible and inclusive and allowing everyone to have really high quality golf clubs that will break the bank. And so give them a look. I'm telling you guys, if you want a new set that won't break the bank or you're just starting out, Sticks is an incredible option. So give them a look. Enter the code PARTRAIN sent me. Now let's get back to the show. So I want to unpack that really quick for people. So when you say, I want to play golf easy, some people might think to themselves, well, it's certainly easier for you right eight birdies uh you know no bogeys you're a plus five you played pro played in college but i think what you're saying is deeper than that and i think anyone can take that to their game what i hear when you say that joe is like i'll give you an example my member guest this week right number six at meadowbrook there is a dog leg left downhill over water par five there's bunkers on the dog leg there's water left if you you don't cut the corner and you go straight there's ob long and, mm -hmm. and right yeah, yeah right so for me you know i'm a seven so i get a pop on that hole for me i used to hit driver and i'd have to like try and cut that corner i'd still have 200 to 210 over water as getting a pop, there was no point for me to go for that this tight green over water with terrible bunkers on each side. So I was a three-shot hole for me anyways. Um, and so what I did getting a pop is I just hit, I just mashed hybrid off the tee, and then I hit a six iron, and then I had a wedge in. And I'd still yeah. made birdie a couple of the days and net eagle. Like, we're yeah, going to win with absolutely. that all the time. But my point is, is that I made that hole easy. That hole used to give me anxiety. 
And I realized there's an easier way to play this that fits my game better. So if I was going to play that hole 10 times, I'm giving myself the best chance to make birdie the most times out of 10, right? Yes. I think that's what you're saying is you are choosing sight lines, you're choosing clubs, and you're committing to shots that free you up and it feels like boring golf, whereas a lot of amateurs make things harder than they need to be. Is that fair? A hundred percent. And like Matt was saying, Matt was probably generous when he said I hit eight fairways. I maybe I I could have, but I I probably didn't hit more than six. But you know, it's a golf course that I know and play, and I go whenever I if I know a golf course well enough, or even if I don't know a golf course well enough, I will do what I can to scout it where I know okay there is no trouble in we're on this hole on this uh, whether it's like left side or right side like. Hey, the left side of this is open. It doesn't look like the, like the trees are too bad. I'm gonna gonna set up the aiming towards that open spot, and if I push it back into the fairway, great, <laughs> awesome. And I mean, like you guys had Scott Fawcett on a couple, you know, a few episodes back. It's kind of what he talks about. It's just like just playing high percentage lines. Don't get me wrong. I I have my I like to play aggressive. Everyone should like to play aggressive, but yeah. if I'm, but it's easier to make a par without having to take a penalty shot if there's a penalty on that hole. Yeah. So I, well, yeah, go on, Matt. Well, well, we'll jump back into the scouting part because that's going to be fascinating. But I, I don't know what hole it was, Joe. What's that crazy dog leg left? Like our that you hit a three wood off one of the few twelve. Three oh woods. yeah, yes, twelve. Like you're, you said like we're there. That's a great example of easy golf and what Evan was talking about. You said, I hate this hole. It drives me nuts. It's a hard dog leg left, and it's like 450, 460. And Joe, what he did, Joe plays a high cut, as he was trying to allude to. Joe, you pulled out a three-wood and just kind of, you know, hit your high cut, put it in the rough right, and said, this is a par hole. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. right? I mean, like, the, the, yeah, yeah, the, whole, yeah. the whole calls for, in theory, a, big, a high a big swing shot. And, a and big swing a shot. shot. And that's not a shot you feel good with. So and I would, you, have to, like, you have to disarm yourself on the tee box, and you did. And I'd even go as far as saying a, a high draw is not good for any amateur. It's not even – if you listen to Roy McIlroy, he's not hitting draws off the tee anymore. He said, right. I'm not hitting a draw with a driver anymore. I'm going to do it with a three-wood. Right. So, you know, for, for, me, so for me, like, I, like Matt was saying, my, a draw is not my shot off the tee. So I went down to a three-wood, tried to hit a draw, I ended up hitting it straightish yeah. in the right rough. No big deal. I, I still had a shot. You know, I remember I, I, I made a par. I mean, I gave myself, I didn't hit a great shot in the green or nothing, but I, I got up and down and I, I was going to make, I was going to make no worse than bogey in that situation. In the, and, you know, to the, to your listeners, it's, it's about not, it's about making, making sure you don't make the big, don't make the big number because of a bad decision bad swings happen all the time but if you make a good decision with the sight line or you know or or the club uh, club selection off the tee and you make a decent swing you are really giving yourself the best chance to not make a big number well you, you accept that this hole maybe not might not be the magical hole today right <laughs> there's gonna but yeah. there could be other that, holes. that holes that hole's never my magical <laughs> hole <Yeah. laughs> but so clearly there was magic throughout the other round go ahead so yeah. real quick joe 
you talked sightlines, clubs off the tee, really quickly. I, and I've said this on other episodes, but I don't think it can be overstated for the average golfer. The thing that's really helped me this past year is club selection into greens. And that's something Scott talked a lot about and a lot of pros have talked about. Um, one example, especially, is back flags. Like, if I, used to, if I used to see a back flag at 150, I'd be like, oh, that's my nine. Give me my nine. But I know that if I catch my nine too good, it's going off the back. And so now I'm going to hit a pitching wedge. And if I really get it, I could be, you know, 10 feet below the hole. And if not, I'm in the middle of the green. Mm -hmm. um, is that a big, can you talk about like how you think about club selection into greens as a Absolutely. way to make golf easier too? Cause I think that's really important. Absolutely. Um, what I've, I, for our longest time I was, and I still am, but I, for the longest time I was very concerned with that front number. Like, give me that front number. Cause you all, you know, you listen to those guys on TV. I'm always trying to catch a caddy, a caddy player conversation when I'm watching. But they always say, oh, what's the front? What's the front? So forever I was obsessed with front. And yes, you're better off being on the green than not. But I would say in the last year or so, I've gotten pretty obsessed with pin high. Like making sure I take enough club, you know, you know, all things, you know, all things normal in the, in, with the green and hole locations that I have enough club and at least get me to pin high. And with that, I've noticed that one, when I miss hit, I'm definitely covering that front yardage. <laughs> and two, if I hit a good, I'm all of a sudden like, you know, before a good shot from to a front yardage, give me that front yardage flag with 30 feet. Now I got 20 feet and I don't know statistics off the top of my head, but you've got a better chance of, <laughs> making a 20 footer than a 30 footer and a 20 footer is much easier to two putt than a 30 footer. So it's stuff like that, that I, you know, like, you know, like you were saying, Evans, like being aware of where that flag is and knowing how to get to that flag without, you know, without having a chance of a major catastrophe. Cause even if you make a good swing, well, Joe, wanna, yeah. Now obviously the difference between you and a lot of our listeners is you're very dialed in with your yardages, right? They're maybe a little less dialed in. Yeah. Evan and I have talked a lot about that just missing long. And I've seen it with, a, it's just a death nail, like into people's rounds, you know, because chipping uphill back down the hill, like it, I'm sure you've seen it a lot too, you know? I, I you know, I'm actually going to just go into that because I, I, I'm fortunate where I have a pretty good short game. You know, you always hear in golf, don't short side, don't short side, don't short side. Most of the time, I'm not necessarily afraid of the short side short. I'm afraid of the short side long because if most decent to good golf courses, and then you go to like, you know, great golf courses, long is dead. There's collection areas. There's some sort of big hill or bank. So for whatever reason, the rough seems to always be thicker behind greens. Yeah. I don't know if they, they caught it one day less. Long is typically dead, just about anywhere. So it's it's just no. And then, but it goes into like you know, if you if you let's just say you know for you know, for your listeners out here, you, you know, you go think of your think of your the golfers you typically play. Chances are, long, especially right and left long, is not good. So if you can work to avoid missing long sideways, that those tend to oftentimes end up being double bogey. Hey, you make a bogey, you could you could survive a bogey. 
it's eliminating doubles. It's avoiding doubles. And then that's how scores can start being chipped away at. But realize for people that are listening, again, you're a plus five handicap. You talked about 30 feet versus 20 feet. You did not talk yep. about five feet, three five feet. feet are, five feet and three feet are accidents. Right. Nobody, I mean, nobody wow. else. I, I, this is the biggest difference that I've noticed between really good players and 10 plus handicaps. And I did a post on this on Instagram with cornhole, how cornhole, everyone's got the bags underneath the hole and the people going for the hole are long. They don't get a point at all. Yep. Right. That is the biggest mistake. You guys, as in good players, you know that a sticking it is a happy accident. Yes. And I'm yes. sure sometimes I mean you fire at the pin if you got a wedge and it's the perfect yardage and there's no trouble. But for the most part, you, I just want people to hear this. You said yeah. 30 feet and 20 feet. Yes. And, you know, it's funny. It's, here's a perfect example. I was playing in that Butterfield Invitational with my brother, and we were playing against, uh, one, against, in my opinion, the best mid-am in Illinois, Andrew Price, and we were playing against his partner, uh, Christopher Marshall, who is, who's, is, you know, early to mid-40s, and he just won the Arizona State Amateur. So we're playing against studs. <laughs> and I remember I, we're, you know, we're, we're going along in our match, and there was a tough run. I forget, I, there was our 10th hole. There's a tough front left flag on the slope. And before I was the last one to hit, I hit the furthest drive. And I'm like, I got, I had 70, like 75 yards. I'm like, all right, I want to hit this to 10 feet. And I'm thinking of 10 feet. You know, I, I, I don't try to worry about under or below, under or above the hole too much. I try to get, you know, to a, to my, to a certain spot, but that would have been a but 10 feet under the hole from 75 yards. I've been very happy with now, Christopher, uh, Chris Marshall, excuse me, happened to put it to, uh, five feet. So then that's when I had to just, you know, since this match play, I had to then just churn my 10 feet to, to five feet. <laughs> but if I'm playing stroke play, yes, I have a sandwich in my hand or a lob wedge in my hand. Yes, I can. And often in practice will hit my target or, you know, get within that, you know, circle, whatever you want to call it. But in stroke play, I'm just not trying to throw it at a corner flag with my lob wedge because all I need to do is just put a tick of draw spin on that. And I have a really hard chip shot that's going to end up probably six, eight feet away down the hill anyways. Or Joe, so, which we've talked about, uh, where you with the quadrants on the green, that uphill putt compared to that, you know, that, that 12 foot uphill putt compared to that seven foot downhill putt. Right. And like in your mind, just being playing easy and making sure you leave it in the correct side of the hole to just keep yourself calm. I mean, yeah, even, even when but you're he, 75 yards and it seems like, Oh, I can just stick it in there, you know? Yeah. No, but even then I'm, I would rather have the seven foot downhill putt over the 12 foot uphill, but because, Seven feet, you have a much higher percentage chance of making it than 12 feet up the hill. But with a wedge and with where the certain hole location was at that time, I would I much rather preferred it. That's an what I'm saying. Pot. Right, right. But yes, that's yes. what I'm saying. Like those that. those tough those tough short yeah. shots. When I, when you know, I, 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 you know I, it's if, tough. If yeah. I have a seven iron, I can't. Uh, you know, maybe there's a, one out of ten I can get really picky and hit it to exactly where I want. But with like a seven iron. I'm, give me seven feet. <laughs> give me, give me the closer one. I'll pull downhill. Doesn't matter. Sure, but like, yes, sure. uh, with the wedge, 
think, you know, and this like, you know, this really could help, you know, a lot of got people in your audience. You don't be you don't have to flag hunt. Now, yes, there is green light situations and you catch a, you know, you know a flag's in a pretty benign spot and you know the greens are receptive. Okay, take a take a shot at it. But yeah. if you know that flag's in a little bit of a hairy situation, give yourself a you know, 12, 15 foot birdie putt instead of some trying to save par if you don't pull it off. Yeah. And I think it, the, to me, the takeaway is for people that are like, they might be thinking, well, I don't have predictable misses. Sometimes I don't know where it's going to go. Well, you've got a better chance of missing it in a better spot through your club selection yes. and picking the fattest part or the middle part of the green to start. And even if you'd prefer a seven foot downhill putt versus a 12 foot yeah. uphill for most golfers, uphill putts allow them to at least be a little bit more yes. aggressive versus feeling defensive the whole round. Um, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I don't, you're a hundred percent right. And yeah. I, I, believe me, I would rather have an uphill putt than a downhill putt, but I'm just saying like, we don't, people shouldn't fear sure. close downhill putts because your, your chances of making it right. are going to be higher from five feet downhill than 10 feet up the hill. Right, but yes, we all prefer. If all things are considered equal, we all like a little uphill where we get a little bit of a whack. So I want to. Joe, one about... thing. I... Oh, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Well, I'm going to close the loop on the 63. Yeah, yeah. One ahead. thing, because I was because I was playing with Joe, and I want to understand what the takeaway and learning is for you. You said a few times, and you talked about it on the 17th hole. Well, if I was playing typically, I wouldn't hit driver today, because you really hit driver all day, and you you hit it great, and you set the course record. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I mean, now you said you felt good. Your mind was free. Why not just hit driver every time? Now, there might be red alerts early in the round and red flags, but I think that was very interesting and just where your head was at, but you were kind of very honest in saying, well, you know, I probably wouldn't well, do this. The hole that I was referring to, you know that hole, the big dog leg around yeah. the tree in the middle of the fairway, and then junk long my driver dead straight a dead straight shot is is in trouble now i've played the golf course enough you know over my time where i'm comfortable knowing where my distance is you know where my driver distance goes and as you can as i'm sure you can agree man i was swinging my driver pretty darn well that day oh, so i was just you know i mean it go this kind of goes against a decade idea of like you know, you stick to your percentages. This wasn't the high percentage play, but like, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm not, I'm hitting this pretty good. I pulled the shot off a bunch of times. Let's give it a go. And I knew what the consequences were. If I didn't, I was, I accepted the consequences. If I hit it straight before mm -hmm. I, before I even hit the ball, I'm like, if this goes straight. I know what I have to do to try to save far. I hit it straight. <laughs> I hit yeah. it straight. And I, I knew what I had to do. And I, well, luckily I pulled it off. And you've worked so hard in developing a predictable mess. Right. And I think that's the key for, for players to get, get even 10 handicappers, 12, 12 yes. handicappers to get better. Just because you've hit a couple of great drives in the round and you like to cut the ball and you have a, a draw hole, this doesn't mean you should be maybe hitting driver, especially those higher handicappers. Or, knowing, or, but, so yes. knowing that mess. Yeah. Or, yeah. I, I, and I also believe in, hey, if you know, you're on the range that morning and you're hitting a 15 yard cut and you just can't shake it, guess what? You should ride with a 15 yard cut all day. Because that's where you're at, you know, you know, we all get, we all, everyone's been guilty of this. Who has ever played golf a little bit decently. And I mean, my little bit decently breaking a hundred, we all think, Oh, 
Tiger hit that four iron draw to that back left play from, you know, 225, that means I got to hit my four iron draw from, you know, 175. No, Tiger Woods and those guys on tour are freaks. They're amazing. And you know what? Most of the time, none of those guys are doing what Tiger did. So like, I always tell people watching golf at the highest level on TV is a bad thing for people's games because they only show really good shots or they just show a, a car, a car rack, which we all laugh at. But if you go, you know, you know, we, if you're fortunate enough to go to a tournament or lucky, if you can get to go to watch the guys in person, I mean, maybe not, I'm, you know, Matt, you know, you know, I go, grew up at the Western open and I'm, Evan, I'm sure you've been to more than more than a few events. Those guys are not attacking very much at all. Mm-hmm. They're just playing to, they're playing like, they're playing the safe spots. And if they're feeling good, if their swing's good and they have a, you know, eight iron down, then they'll take their chances. But it's PJ Tour golf in person is quite boring. And I mean that in the highest regard, the highest compliment. Well, it's funny because, you know, we've all seen the Tiger highlights. <clears throat> yes. Like, I, I, I think it was like the, was it RBC Canadian Open when he was in the bunker over water? Yeah. Two, oh, he, 10 to win the tournament. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> we Tiger do remember that. But the funny thing about Tiger, though, is when you hear him describe what he did to win all of those tournaments, he was basically doing decade golf, right? Like oh. he was keeping it in play. He was hitting greens and he was just giving himself the most chances at the pot. Let's talk about his last one real quick. The 2019 Masters, that last round was a clinic in dissecting a golf course. Now, yes, he's Tiger Woods, arguably the greatest, definitely the greatest talent of all time, arguably the greatest golfer of our time. No, we're not getting into it, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. He's up right up there. But he did not, if, you, if we all remember his rounds, we all remember just the very boring front nine. Yeah, he made that. Like I thought he, he won it in two, like two areas he, on that bogey on number 10, he hit it into the trees and he did not panic. He just pitched out, hit it on, didn't make the par. Oh, well. And then on 12, which they've talked about ad nauseum, yeah. but like he, 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 he clubbed up and went down the shortest line mm-hmm. knowing that I don't not, I'm my, I'm not going to make birdie here very often. And it's not, and if I'm making birdie here today, it's an accident. And that's what happened. And then look what happened on 15, which I, which no one talks. Everyone loves 16, which is amazing. 15 was one of the best shots I've ever seen him hit. That big high sling and draw with, with I think, a five iron down, you know, down the hill, to the, you know, yeah. right into the corner of the green. That was when he's like, this is my chance. I, 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 you know, I can't speak or tell you what it felt, but I can tell you, I can guess that he was sitting there going, my swing is pretty good. I like this startage and I like this shape and the rest is history. He took he also, his he took his chance when he had it, when he felt it was there for him. He also wasn't afraid to adapt in the moment, right? Yes. He's so aware of okay. He knows that Brooks and Finau, they don't lay off stuff like their flight is piercing mid mid ball yep. flight, right? And if they both came up short, then there's probably something going on here, like some wind yes. that people can't feel. Yes. And he clubs up and he picks the shortest line and look what he did. Like that, that is, even though people are thinking like, that's just tiger being tiger. That's mental. That's mental. That's mental that anyone who plays the game of golf can do. Like you're out there playing your, you know, your five, five, five with your buddies and you know, your buddy hits first and he comes up short and 
you know, you know, you you all know we all know what our buddies are hitting. We all can kind of gauge our yardage off him. And the second guy goes up and hits and he shuns up short, that should tell you, hey, I should take one more club. Or, you know, you know, or just at least be aware of what's potentially going on. And that's no different than what Tiger did. Sure, Tiger's playing for the Masters and you're playing for your five bucks, but in the end, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for sure. We were you let me know if you have time. We're probably gonna go a little over. This is I feel like we could go for four hours because I feel like we barely scratched the surface. Um, I, I I'm I'm all yours. <laughs> I can go a little bit over. Um but let's let's go into I'm really fascinated by Matt was telling me all about how you dissect a golf course. And I want to get into a little bit more because people loved our episode with Scott Fawcett. Yes. Um and he's, the, he's, golf. he's great. He's great. And, yeah. and I'm not saying that to, as an endorsement. You know, he is he's entertaining in many ways, but he you yeah. really you really get past the surface of him. He is talking big time stuff. But help people understand like how to actually utilize it. Cause a lot of times when people talk about, especially Scott, it can be a little confusing because he's using a lot of numbers. He's talking about yardage disparity. A lot of people don't know how wide a fairway is. Yeah. You know, hazard to hazard. How do you actually prepare for a course and how do you use his system? So it's funny you say that. I'm it's funny you say it's all numbers based. I'm terrible with numbers myself. I'm not a math person at all. I'm not I am the I'm probably the exact opposite of Scott Fawcett. But he he talk, like but the in his in all his in all in all his research and his information, there's there's you know the really easy thing I've and this has helped me a ton as a, as a golfer is the sixty yard, the average tour player misses at sixty yards right to left with their driver, and I'm pretty pretty good golfer, so I'm not tour level obviously, but I'm a pretty good golfer where I'm not missing it wide, so I will go onto Google Earth of a golf course I'm going to play and I will start measuring out each hole at the, at where, you know, for example, I drive about 310. So I'll, I'll measure out to 310 yards on the hole. And then from there at the 310 mark, I will measure how wide it is from basically trouble to trouble. If there's tr if like out of bounds, water, ser like serious trees. And if it's 60 or more, Assuming the you know it's not crazy wind or and my swing is feeling okay, I'm hitting driver, mm -hmm. and I'm hitting it hard, and I'm trying to send it as far as I can, knowing even if I miss it, I'm better off missing it closer to the green than not. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like so. Like I said, I go on the Google Earth, and I do this for my even my home golf courses. I do it a couple times a year, right? Like for example, McHenry. I will go there. I know my way around McHenry Country Club like the back of my hand, but I still go on it once or twice a year just to double check and just to reaffirm, like, hey, this is I got this much space to play with on this side of the hole, or hey, I this is this is a full fledged driver. Let's let this thing go, even if it seems tight. You know, it, 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 I've really gotten into um, the Google Earth satellite imaging of golf courses because you can you're they're more accurate than a bushnell if you're trying to like gun a bunker so I'll, I'll get the bunkers i'll get hazards and like i said i'll get fair you know not fairly with like space like how much space do i have to play with before there's trouble so that's that's a lot of my practice round slash prep for anytime even well, hey, i go play yeah i will play a fun golf course i'll do it 
for sure. Well, you got the mid-am coming up, right? In a couple yeah. weeks here. And Evan's got his member guest. People got their tournaments yeah. at their local clubs. Like, so this is what we people, what players can do at all levels, right? A hundred percent. hundred percent. If you know how to click Google a mouse. Actually let you, can you see yards? They don't give you like, you know, they don't have the yards like on the screen, but you take that little, um, that cursor or you take the mouse and you, there's like a feature where you click on like the length and it goes yards, feet, kilometers. And you, and you just, you just click and drag a lot, the lines across the property. And then you just go from there. You, you, you could do it on the computer. I prefer to do it on a computer because the mouse is easy to work with, but I have it on my phone as well. Got it. Ev, you going to do this for member guests? I kind of want to try it for, because, you know, Meadowbrook has gone through some uh, redesigns. So it'll, our practice round this year will be more important arguably than any before. And for me, Ryan has told me that the, the redesigns, it helps longer hitters. Um, but it also like, it doesn't require driver. Right. Cause Joe, I picked up on something you said, like something that I've really focused on over the years. I can't stand being penalized for hitting a great shot. So like yes. if I hit a perfectly no <laughs> straight drive and it puts me in a hazard, I just, I, I won't do it. Right. Like Ryan's a different player. Ryan likes to hit like a sweeping draw down yeah. the, the curve of the hole and give himself the closest shot on the next shot. I would rather know that if I hit it perfect down the middle and I don't move it, I don't work it as much as him. Yeah, yeah. I prefer a straight, more of a straight ball or like a three foot draw or something. Absolutely. Um, it That's different for me. So that's a big thing for this year is like, what clubs is it worth? Especially if I'm the one getting pops um, in a member guest format, what clubs is it worth or what holes is it worth me hitting driver? Versus not that'll, that'll be something I'll have to try and. Uh, look but, at. but again, anyone can do this. You just go to you know you go to your Google Earth, and like you said, you don't want to be penalized for hitting a good shot. Now, unfortunately, there's bad breaks, but you can avoid getting penalized for hitting a good shot if you know where the where like for example, like if you said you hit a shot in a bunker and you think or in the water, well, if you knew how far that water was, you're not going to hit that club. Right. <laughs> you know, just it's just and that goes back to. Just making the game easy, like staying, just avoiding, avoiding catastrophe. If if you know where you're going, yeah. One so, other, one other thing. Go ahead. Em. No, go ahead. No, I, I mean Joe, we're kind of we're kind of wrapping up here. We've got a question okay. or two left, but one thing I just wanted you to talk about for our listeners is the value of practice. I mean, you don't get to play in every tournament oh. you'd like to. You've got a busy life, like everybody, kids, yes, home life. But it's very it, very common man. The, the value of practice, how you prepare, and what you know, how, what you focus on, and, and maybe it's a hundred yards in, you know. What, yeah, what, yeah. So I I work a very no, I work a very regular job. I'm you know, I don't I don't have full control like of you know my day. Like I have to go to work. I have to be a, sure. you know be in, be in my office and do my job. So it, typically, if um I. I I try to get out to the golf course in a typical, typical week. I'll try to get out during the week three to four times. I know for sure I got, I got to be dead. I, and I want to be a dad. I want to be dad. And that, that's the greatest thing in the world. But golf is, you know, golf has given me so much in my life. And I just, 
while I still think I have a little ability, I want to continue to, you know, ride it. So in these practice sessions, I just work primarily in my short game. I'm always working my pitching and chipping and putting because one, if you have that, no matter how you're hitting it, you're going to always be in the fight. And two, when I'm working on my short game, I, my, a lot, a lot, my, my rhythm and my full swing tends to be pretty good. And I'll try to hit like during the course of a week, I'll try to hit. If I, if I hit up to 200 balls between Monday and Friday, that's a lot. So when I'm hitting my balls, it's, you know, I got, I always got, we all got our technical things we working on, but I it's mostly like making sure I'm making my proper churn, my proper rotation, and just making sure that my rhythm and tempo are in sync. Because even if I'm not, even if my, my mechanics aren't perfect, if I'm making the right churn and my rhythm and tempo are pretty good, I'll find it. And if I can find it, I can be competitive. <laughs> One thing, Joe, I'd love to understand from the short game standpoint because you know i've gotten a session from matt and i learned a lot from him i noticed uh myself included and a lot of amateurs make the mistake of when they're making a pitch shot usually it lands pretty close to the hole and then it rolls out 30 feet either off the green or long yeah you know a lot of players don't a lot of amateurs don't have spin they don't have spin control. Yep. And so one thing that I've realized that's actually kind of tough for me, and I assume for a lot of people, is these abbreviated, I always go longer than I think I'm going because I feel like I need to generate momentum. And I feel like most people hit it long um, or they chunk it, but most people yeah. like fly it too far and then it rolls out. Anything in particular that's helped you with having very consistent repeatable abbreviated motions that can help you have like predictable distance control around the greens. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, you know, without being too technical, because this is a pretty technical question. I try to, for me, this is my golf personality is to have a little bit of a slower backswing. I'll even take a little bit bigger, but I'll take it a little bit slower Obviously, in any shot, no matter how your speed is, you have to rotate through. Even on putts, you got to rotate through. But I make sure I take a little bit bigger, a little softer backswing, and I try to just I try to hit the ball pretty soft. Like I want that ball landing like a butterfly with sore feet. I can't, it's hard to explain over you know audio, mm-hmm. but I'm just I I'm actually trying to hit the ball soft, even without not much spin. Like I just want that ball to kind of hit and just release a little bit because like you said, most people, most people shouldn't be trying to spin it and can't spin it. So if you can learn, if people can learn how to hit the ball high and soft, that can be actually more effective than trying to actually get the ball to bite. Spin is spins vitally important, but in a way it's overrated for most golfers. But what I take away from there, Joe, for me, for Evan, for anybody is rhythm, right? You can't do that if you don't, you obsess over your rhythm, right? Yes. And then I, and I think that's, that's brilliant because people think tempo, full swing, but rhythm around the greens, and you've always been very good at it with your hands, but people are going to need to shift their focus a little bit on how they're practicing. Yes. And, and, and I don't hit, even when I get the practice, like going into practice as a, you know, as a, I consider myself just a regular guy, I'm not going to, you know, after work, I'm not going to have six hours to just grind. 
I may have an hour, hour and a half, you know, two. If I have two, that's great. Like most, it just be, yeah, it's just being it's. But during that time, it's like, hey, I'm just going. Like you have to have a purpose and direction with what you're doing. Even if you're just going to putt, like for I got, I got like my 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 putting device that I work on for my role. Like, hey, I said to myself, Joe, we're just going to work on the role today. And just go in there and work on your role. Make like, for example, like I'm, you know, like it's like a little gate. Make sure I get ten in a row through that gate without touching, you know, the the the, the uh, barrier. Just it's it, if you have yourself, if you have a purpose, you can get a lot out of an hour practice, even if you're just doing one thing. And so, you know, and I've been I'm guilty of it even to this day. Like there's times I just go out there and I go through the motions, and then I get in the car. I'm like, wow, I didn't. I stayed active, but I didn't get anything done. So whether you're trying to break 190 or 70, just have a purpose with your practice and just say, Hey, I'm going to get out. Like some like at times when I'm doing my chipping, Hey Joe, we're going to make five chips today or five pitches today and just go to work on it. And yeah. doesn't matter how you do it. Just go to work and with what you, what you're trying to accomplish. Do you hit different clubs? Or different distances, or are you a one wedge everywhere? Are you talking sh- short game? Yeah, I'm primarily a, I'm primarily my 58. I okay. I just 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 my you know Matt can attest to it. I'm pretty good with it, but I do practice my 54s, my 50s, even up to sometimes eight iron, like long chips, because you just never know. You just I don't like to, I don't like to ever be caught off guard with something I've never practiced. I mean, not, I'm not going to hit iron chips every day for, you know, right. 30 to 45 minutes, but if you do it like once a month or, you know, in our case, like my case of once a month, it's at least, Hey, I've done this. It's, yeah, it's you not, you're not it. caught off guard. Yeah. I got two quick questions for you. Yeah. And then we'll get you out of Ab's here. Loving it. Loving um, it. Diving in. <laughs> uh, I'm really curious, Joe, about the 63 to the qualifier, because a lot of people, that 63 could have been a killer. Yeah. Um, yes. we, we, we were talking about this offline before we started with you. <laughs> because yes. now, now you expect to qualify. So what was, what was the mental gymnastics you went through to, get your, to take that pressure off and, and, well, and get through? I always, anytime I teed up in competition, I'm, ex, I'm expecting myself to play well or I'm expecting to compete. Well, you know, sometimes you get bad conditions and scores are going to be higher, but I always expect to compete to win. And, and so I remember when I shot the 63, yeah, I'm feeling great. You know, people, you know, congratulate me. And then, you know, reality set, like, set in pretty quick. It's like, well, I wish I would have done this two days from now <laughs> instead of today. So um, between the, so I, I shot the 63 on a Saturday, my qualifiers on a Monday. I remember that sun, like, I remember waking up that Sunday, not feeling great. Just like, I was tired. And I'm, I'm like, I don't, I didn't want to go to my practice round. I was that tired, but I think, you know, so I ended up going to practice round. And I'm glad I did, but I told myself, well, guess what? What you did yesterday is over with, and it doesn't mean anything for tomorrow. So I, and this is, we can go, you know, this is potentially for another episode, but like, I have worked very hard on not like, I don't want to say it's not caring, but the, what's done is done. It's on to the next. And even after a, like a 63, like, yeah, I had my moments where like, you know, afterwards like, Hey, this is awesome. I'm you know pumped for myself. But it's like, this doesn't mean anything tomorrow. Blank it, it's it's, and 
I try to like, you know, I think Dustin Johnson's perfect is walking that fine line of like not caring and caring. It's very hard to do. And I have nowhere near perfected it, but like, it's just having perspective. Like, you know, this is, I'm just a working man with a family. I'm not a professional. So what I did yesterday, it doesn't mean anything. And so I went to that tournament that, you know, the next day and that Monday, and I was five under for <laughs> the first 10 holes. So I was 13 under in my last 27. And I was like, okay, this is kind of good. This is fun. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I was like, and, you know, you know, a, a little cockily, I said to myself, let's go shoot another three under in this back nine and tell them to mail me all the information so I can get home quicker. Cause I was up in Wisconsin. I had a, you know, over an hour drive. <laughs> I wanted to get home, but, um, got a little that was a really good nine. mental hack you just did. Cause a lot of, a lot of people hang on when they're going low. You almost used humor to trick yourself into going lower. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, I shot, light. yeah, I shot two, I shot two over in the back. It got, it got pretty windy. So I had at times play a little bit more defensively and a little more, you know, let's avoid a disaster on a few holes that had some, some trouble. But, um, yeah, I like I've learned in going. I'm I'm not an expert necessarily in going low. I'm not like an I don't shoot low sixties very often. But I just take the attitude of it's neither good nor bad. Like I make a birdie, well, that's cool. Let's do it again. And if I make a bogey, eh, try not to do that again. But it's not bad. Like it, it's no big deal. Let's just go to the next challenge. Yeah, it seems like your acceptance level, even when you were describing the driver you hit on that tee that you don't normally do, you yeah. accepted the bad result even before it happened. That didn't mean you were thinking about the bad result, no. but you knew it was a possibility and you accepted it. Well, that's yeah. the only way you can commit that, right? Yeah. Is like, right. <laughs> but you, Joe, you've said it a bunch, I think, and that's been where you've really grown is golf is full of ups and downs. You said it a bunch on this episode. It, like <laughs> it's, it's, mo it's mostly, it's mostly down. It's yeah. mostly down. <laughs> you mostly it, it, disappoint yourself, right? Like, I, but, I, but letting go yeah. of that, right? Because learning that, you know, if as long as I'm healthy and my family's healthy and most importantly, my kids are healthy and, and doing good. That's all I need. That's all yeah, I well, need. I, I just happen to be blessed with a little ability to play some golf. And yes, I am Mac and back in the test. I am. I, 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 I work, I work my ass off. I, I want to win. I want to cut your heart out and eat, eat, eat it. Cause that's how I am very competitive. <laughs> but at the end of the day, if I have what's most important to me, everything's okay at that. It's, it's just a game. Well, that's the tie into the show. As you know, Joe has been a big fan listener is the, the perspective on life, right? Ev, you know, yeah. we, we've heard a lot from all our listeners about if you have life in a better place, you can have golf in a better place and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Last question. And then we'll let you go, Joe. Uh, it's easy for your mind. This is what our minds do. It's what our egos do. It's easy to think about what would happen if you won the U.S. Mid-Am, <laughs> right? So going into the U.S. Mid-Am, when is it again? Uh, I leave two weeks from today. So the, okay. uh, the, 21st, the 21st, 21st. Two weeks, you're playing well. You're practicing a high level of acceptance. You're, you're going to work hard. You're looking into, you're going to have a plan going into it, which is going to help you commit. Yeah. What is your mindset going into the U.S. Mid-Am? What are you going to work on? What's your mindset? Uh, I, my, I'd be a liar if I said, I don't think about winning. 
Of course, because there's so much prize to be had. And yes, every now and then I'll practice on the putting green. This is to win the U.S. Mid-Am. But I know my odds are pretty much zero. So my goal going in is to have a, you know, one, I am so lucky and fortunate to be playing in my third USGA event. And I, you know, they are, in my opinion, the pinnacle of amateur golf and just golf in general is making these events because no matter what happens, that can't be taken away from me. And it says that I'm a decent player. But going in, I'm going to just like, you know, like you were saying, I'm going to develop, try to develop a plan of attack with uh, of the course, uh, both courses to stroke play. I'm working on a few things with my equipment uh, and my ball, trying to figure out what's going to be best because Nantucket is not like Chicago. <laughs> it's not like most of us, you know, it could be a little like, windy it, out there. Like Shin- it looks like the course looks like Shinnecock Jr. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it does, yeah, it does look a little bit like Shinnecock Jr. So it, it's going to require, you know, it's requ- require me to work right now on some, just like I said, some different pieces of equipment. I got, I got like 17, 18 clubs in my bag right now. So I'm trying to figure out some stuff and, like I said, I'm going to try to figure out a, a different ball than I typically play because I need, you know, it could be pretty windy out there, but I'm just going there to, like I said, like my, if I have one goal, like an actual goal that can be achieved, it's just to make match play. And, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, I've been close to my two other USG events, not, you know, missed it by one, a couple shots and didn't play great in those events. So it's like, Hey, if we can go play decent stroke play, getting the match play. And we all know match play is a beautiful, crazy game and anything can happen. So just, yeah, yeah, that's the quote. Anything can happen to match. I love it. Yeah. Well, Joe, thanks so much. What, what's your, uh, your handle so people can follow you? Uh, both Twitter and uh, Instagram um, at underscore Chicago underscore Joe. Um, I, um, yeah, just that's where you can find me. That's where, um, that's where you follow my my Twitter's mostly me ranting about the Bears, so <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna get too much golf but, on that. But, but I think, go ahead. Ev. I was just gonna say, I think to me the main takeaway, and I was realizing this the other day, is it's really easy to get bogged down in the minor details. Um, even me right now, I've got a trip, whether it's a bachelor party or wedding, remember guest, and one weekend I've got two weddings back to back days. You know, during this time to travel that much, Matt just got back from Portugal. It's easy to like be thinking about, God, I really just wouldn't mind being home this weekend, you know? But then I realized I'm never going to be on that bachelor party again. That was a once in a lifetime thing. With those guys, hopefully, hopefully, (laughs) with those guys for this, you know, for for his wedding, uh, and I realized, wow, the realize we the 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 reason we enjoy certain birthdays and and weddings is because we actively tell ourselves this is like never going to happen again. I'm never going to be thirty again. I'm never going to do this. I'm never, and that helps us savor it a little bit more and enjoy it. And I think that's what you're getting at a little bit is like, you know what? You are really taking in this, how special it is to even play in this. And let's see what happens. Like have your goal, get to match play, see what happens. But at the end of the day, you're going to enjoy the ride. And I think that's absolutely. I mean, to stay hey, present. if I could shoot 63, 68, the tournament and every day, I like my chances, but we don't yeah. know what's going to happen. And like I just said, hopefully I can, hopefully my games are in a decent spot and, I'm going to a pretty sweet place in the world and I'm fortunate right now in my life where everyone's 
healthy, safe, and that's all that matters to me in the end. And prepare on Google Earth, Google Satellite. Yes. Everybody, everybody can do it. No excuses anymore. It's free. It's a free, it's a free service. We might need to set up another Zoom this week before Thursday. Tutorial. And do it for Meadowbrook Country Club. Matt, yeah. we might need to do that actually. That, that would be, really be great content for, for listeners. Yeah. Well, yes. Joe, thanks oh, so yeah. much for coming on. It was special to oh. get another Cermak on the show and um, we're going to be rooting for you. Thank you for letting me enter the train. All right, Joe. You're you're always welcome back. I appreciate it, guys. You guys are great. Keep up the good work. All right. See you soon. Thanks. Thank you.